Coaching Podcast is exactly that. A podcast for anyone involved in establishing, running or developing a coaching program within an organisation. We want to answer your questions and support you in developing the best coaching program within your organisation by speaking with those who have already been there. For additional resources and new episodes, check out possible.ie forward slash podcast. This week, Paul is joined by Orla Scott. Orla is the former head of HR for Pioneer Investments, where she was instrumental in bringing coaching into the organisation. In this episode, we covered areas including positioning coaching within an organisation, multi-party and structural contracting, and the absolute importance of trust to the success of coaching. Let's have a listen. Orla Scott, thanks a million for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. It's lovely to it's lovely to be here, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's one of my one of my passions in life, so um, I never get tired of talking about coaching. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I'm a coachaholic. I think <laughs> so maybe we can start set, set up a support group. <laughs> I know, yeah, you get a lot of takers, I think. Um, so maybe we could start, Orla, uh, could you tell us maybe a little bit about your own background and how you became interested in coaching? Yeah, so my original background is in um, HR. Um, and I spent a long number of years uh, in the normal HR area looking after recruitment and succession planning. And, and then I got more involved in learning and development. And whilst that was very rewarding, what I actually felt was missing was the tailored approach. So that sort of one-on-one specific focused development that really spoke to what was going on for that particular individual and how they could um, maximize their potential and how, how, how they could sell internally um, what their expertise and what their skill set was. So I felt that the, the, the coaching approach was much more focused, much more tailored. You know, it wasn't off the shelf. Um, and I actually found from my own experience, you know, in getting coached myself that it had, you know, a much, much um, deeper impact. And I made yeah. significant changes that were sustainable. And that was the other thing, because one of the things that I found with some courses, and I know, you know, I've been on some fantastic courses myself. Some of them have a bit of this, what I call sheep dipping in that you can go on a course, but you remember very little of it, and then you move on to the, to, to the next thing. Whereas I found the coaching much deeper, much more impactful, and much more focused, and it, it gave the opportunity to prioritize what was important for the person themselves and the business. And sustainable, you mentioned as well. I think that's one of the big things that I realized for coaching. Uh, is that yeah. because it's true to you? It, it is more sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that you're actually, your commitments are very personal. So you're much more likely to follow through on them. Um, and you're, you're getting that individual focus and attention. Um, and so therefore the accountability, if you like, of actually, you know, yeah. um, delivering on what you've committed to, um, is much more, it's much more powerful. It's much stronger, you know, and people are much more likely to, to actually, uh, deliver, deliver on the goals. And I think a particular interest clearly for this podcast is the internal coaching mm. side. Um, so maybe yeah. you could tell us a little bit about how you developed the internal mm. coaching program within Pioneer. Yeah. So there was a number of us at that particular time. So you're, you're talking about, 
you know, over 16, 17 years ago that were, you know, really interested in coaching. And we did our training round about the same time. Um, and at that stage, there was no um, coaching culture in the organization at all. There, there may have been the beginnings of a, you know, a coaching culture in the holding company, which is Unicredit, you know, the Italian, yeah. Italian banking, uh, Bahamut. But that was it. So um, what we did was, you know, a group of us got together and just began to position coaching as being a significant way of developing people, you know, making sure that leaders actually, you know, were developing their potential, developing their expertise and helping them in turn to build their succession pipeline. So what we found was that because it was a very individual approach, the leadership were seeing the results of it very quickly and therefore were more willing to invest in it to sponsors, et cetera. So that's how we actually built it. And we were very careful about positioning it internally. We were very careful about the supervisory element that we as internal coaches got supervision, but also the whole contracting piece. So that even though we were, and all of us were at that stage, were in the HR field, that there was a, a distinct separation between our HR duties um, and our coaching our coaching duties and mm. by doing that whole contracting piece which I can go into in more detail it meant that it was very clear from the onset about what it was what it was designed to deliver and the, the sponsors knew that there was a separation of duties between the sort of HR aspect and the coaching aspect for the for the learning and development function. That's just about one thing you mentioned. Came up in a conversation with someone recently that they had received coaching and had experienced, I suppose, the benefits and the transformational work it can do. Um, but sometimes that can be a little bit intangible, nearly. Uh, mm. How do you get that across to senior people within a business? You know, mm. is there any tools you use or? any way to do that well i think that's all to do with the positioning so you you have to be able to explain you know to be very blunt about what's in it for them you know what what are the company going to gain what are they going to gain um as a leader how it's going to make their life easier from a, a credibility perspective what sort of skills they're going to develop how it's going to allow them to have an easier life if you like so a particular thing you know might be if i take a very simple example might be around delegation so if you can position the fact that by bringing somebody to a coaching course they're going to be much more able to delegate downwards and it's going to allow them to focus on the priorities and they're going to see a significant shift in the escalation of problems up to them which is going to give them more time to really focus on on their priorities rather than getting involved in you know uh, in, in in everyday issues and it's going to give the the ability to their direct reports to deal with more complex issues. It has to be a positioning around what they're going to get from it. It's not just coaching for the sake of coaching. There has to be a win in it for them and for the coachee and for the company. So kind of spelling out the tangible benefits. Exactly, exactly. And then I think the whole evaluation side, you know, which, which will capture, you know, as you set out in a coaching contract, you know, what is it from a tangible goal perspective but also from a behavior perspective from an emotional awareness perspective from a mindset perspective what is it that's going to change as well as the more tangible metric driven um goals 
you mentioned contracting mm. and when we spoke before you talked about the kind of different facets of contracting within uh, mm. an internal coaching function uh, what parts of the contracts and with whom were most important do you think well you, you mentioned one of them yourself the you know the the, the separation of your normal day-to-day -day function from the coaching function is super important so that the, the confidentiality is maintained that a really good understanding that information can't be shared if a manager approaches an internal coach that they understand they're not going to get any information so that has to be part of the contracting and what really works is sponsorship from the top so the fact that the you know the chief executive and the senior executive team understand the rationale for this what it's going to achieve what it's going to allow them to do the importance of it that, that's really key as well and how coaching is perceived so one of the things that i've found over the years is that if there is a remedial aspect attached to it so if you're getting coaches that you're you know are being sent to you to be fixed that's like the kiss of death to coaching internally because then the perception internally is that when i go for coaching there's something wrong with me so that has to be you have to be very careful about that at the beginning of the perception and how it's positioned and then what it, actually what it can achieve you know what are the expectations around and be very very be very very clear around that sure i know when we spoke before around contracting and um, we talked about that tri-party uh, meeting at the start and mm. what, what i found interesting kind of beyond that was you spoke about you need to have a contract with your hr team potentially you'd have a contract with kind of business leaders and i think there may be facets that people don't think about as much i, I think everyone's kind of used well everyone hopefully is used to within a, an organizational setting that the tri-party meeting happens but those kind of wider more structural contracts almost i think something people maybe yeah. don't think about as much yeah, and it, like there's, there's subtleties contained within that. So one of the things that I've experienced um, and has been shared with me from a supervision perspective, because I, I supervise other coaches as well, is when the coaching is attached to a program, so say it's attached to a leadership program and the, 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 the coaches have to do a project, okay? One of the confusion points can be, rather than it being leadership coaching and actually working on their their mindset and their behavior and their emotional self-awareness and the whole suite that's involved in coaching, they sometimes can have the perception, perception that the coach is there to help them with their project. Yeah. So all of that um, positioning and clarity is super important so that when they come in for their however many sessions, that from the get-go there's a, a real clarity around what, it's, what are the expectations and what the coach is there to support them and, and, and guide them with. Um, you've mentioned uh, positioning a few times and something we spoke about mm. as well and that coaching isn't something that should be used to, to fix the coach isn't there to fix necessarily so mm. I suppose two questions what, what's the right way what, what way should it be positioned and how do you make sure that actually happens that is positioned in the right way and received in the right way well I think a lot a lot is um, associated with the research that's behind it about what are the company priorities what are the divisional priorities what are the team priorities so there's a clear link between the work that's done in a coaching session and what the company is setting out to achieve. So typically it's around their succession pipeline. So, you know, the, the, the validity and the power of coaching is to give the company 
the opportunity to actually make that happen. You know, a lot of the, the, the leadership skills, as you said, can be quite subtle. It's around how somebody deals with change, how innovative are they, how creative are they, how do they build trust within their teams, etc. So it can be certainly metrics. You know, a typical one be for a senior leader of how they actually go about developing people within their own team. But it can also be how they um, sustain a mindset shift or a, a significant behavioral shift within themselves or within their within their team. So it's very much around what's the coaching there to achieve? How is it going to be evaluated? What's the impact that they're looking for? Um, and to be able to build and draw a picture for the company and for the coachee and for the leader of how will things be different um, after, after the coaching engagement. Now, you know, you don't, we don't have a crystal ball as coaches, but we can actually explain to them, you know, what typically will happen, what typically will change and how they will see and witness the, the changes within, within the coachee and that they'll have an opportunity to inform that, you know, so when I, you know, we've talked previously about the triad and in my practice that's super important so that there's a a, a meeting between the coachee the coach and their manager so that there's an alignment around where the coachee wants to concentrate and where the manager believes that they need to 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 be focused and targeted in their in their efforts you know that doesn't mean you know breaking any confidences or sharing anything that the coachee isn't comfortable with but it's just super important from an alignment and it means then that everybody's clear from the from the start and that it can be evaluated very clearly so there can be an agreement with you know we're going to work on a b c d in terms of the perception again within the organization does it take time to build up that trust almost of coaching uh, that it is there as as a support and it's a confidential space and you know areas around that, that that's absolutely crucial because if if there's any question mark over, you know, the ethics or the integrity of the coach or that they're sharing information that they, that they shouldn't be sharing, um, that it's the death knell to, to trust with the, in coaching within a, a from an, well, from an external or internal perspective, it doesn't really matter. The way that the person and the internal coach is perceived, um, no amount of coaching expertise will trump trust because it's the foundational block on which all relationships are, are built. Mm. So if the coach, the coach has to be perceived as being trustworthy, as, you know, dealing with integrity with all of the relationships, et cetera. So it's nearly before the, the formal coaching qualification comes into play, the person who's actually going to be the coach has to be perceived as being trustworthy, maintains confidences, you know, doesn't share information that, that um, shouldn't be shared, etc. Um, and then the coaching relationship can be built on top of that. It's very difficult to build a coaching relationship and a coaching program if there isn't trust in the person that's actually delivering it. One thing you mentioned to me when we spoke last time and really stood mm. out uh, was trust over policy and that being so mm. important. I suppose as, as a follow-up to that, how do you split the role of coach and HR professional or even non-HR? There's a lot of non-HR people mm. in coaching roles now. How do you split those out? Yeah, and I'm asked that all the time. And it's <laughs> it's really around being very careful around your boundaries. 
So it's, it's, it's constantly holding this question in your head. And, you know, it, it's a, it is a big responsibility when you're an internal coach. Where did I get this information? So it's this constant boundary management around, you know, where did I get this piece of information? And therefore, is it something that I would have known about through the course of my HR work? Or is it, um, is this a, a piece that's found out about through my coaching relationship? I'm being super, super clear and careful around that, about managing the boundaries and, you know, asking the question all the time, how, do, how did I find this out? How do I know this? piece of information is it okay uh, to share this and if, if there's any question over that it's absolutely essential that you you don't do that because with the whole trust relationship you know it takes one stray remark or one you know one conversation to actually completely destroy the you know a, a whole coaching program because trust is undermined immediately and it goes around and I, I've actually seen this happen. It was with an external coach where we brought in a, a particular <coughs> coach to work with two senior leaders. And they were a little bit skeptical about the whole process. And they deliberately shared a piece of information with the coach. And he went on and shared it with the other person. And it completely, he obviously didn't get the assignment. It put the you know the coaching program in jeopardy for a number of months because these were senior leaders and we got everything back on track again so I've actually seen that in action and what it can do and I've seen the opposite then when there's been you know complete trust um in each of the individuals that's you know that's on the coaching panel how important is supervision if you're coaching internally even in comparison to someone coaching externally so I, I go for supervision, find it hugely beneficial in terms of, of what I do in development. Some of the things you're talking about now, I can imagine that there can be even more challenges and more things that a supervision relationship could be even more important for. Exactly. Um, and it's really what I found myself personally, when, you know, I was in that position was the supervision was super important for me managing my boundaries so that I kept them super clean and any sort of complex questions that I was holding about you know a particular relationship or a particular issue that I've discovered and what does that mean for from from the from a HR perspective supervision was really really important for me to be able to have a safe space to discuss that to be able to query my own understanding of it and also and this would be no different to you know external supervision dealing with complexities and actually understanding is this because we've, I know, I know we've all been, we've all experienced this over our coaching career where the question mark is, is this a counselling situation or is it a coaching situation and getting clarity around that? But I think, you know, the real impact of internal coaching is a, one is boundaries and two is around the, you know, the support and the challenge and, and just dealing with that accountability because it can be when you're an internal coach, it can be a little bit lonely. You know, you know, you, you've you've nowhere to 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 share things without you know breaking confidentiality. So the supervision is is very very important in in, in those two areas: boundaries and you know managing um, situations, complexities, and having a safe space to discuss things. Uh, I might ask just one big picture question, if if you don't mind. Mm. Clearly, you've been involved in coaching internally and externally now uh, mm. for for a while. Where do you think coaching is in terms of Ireland and, and how has it kind of changed over the years 
um, like from my perspective, I'm seeing a lot more knowledge, mm. certainly about the types of questions you should be asking when you're bringing an external coach in. Just curious mm. to get your thoughts on that. There's a, there's a sort of fashionable element to it in some ways. So, um, you know, there, there is that sense of with some organizations that in order to be to be seen to be a leader, a leader on the on the succession pipeline, you have to have a coach. Um, and there's a sort of certain amount of cachet to it. And I think it, it, you know, it does go through fashions and there's, you know, there's, there's certain things that I see, you know, and I'm dealing with when I'm supervising coaches and they, they tend to be using the same, all of a sudden a particular tool becomes really, really fashionable. But I, I actually think the biggest change that I'm seeing over the, the last probably year to 18 months and certainly since uh, the pandemic is this question over what's next for leadership. And that move away from sort of metric-driven, totally goal-focused to much more around, you know, authenticity as a leader, emotional awareness as, as a leader. And I actually think the next shift, and I've, I mean, I've had about four or five conversations over the last month with, with colleagues from various um, sectors around this, around how do we tap into multiple intelligences? How do we pay as much attention and, and, and value our intuition as much as we do our intellectual uh, capabilities and how do we pay attention to that and I think that's going to be the next shift and it's just another intelligence you know it's just that we've been quite probably academically and intellectually led over the last number of years and I think there's going to be a, a much bigger shift for leaders to understand how do I connect and communicate and be authentic and be vulnerable with my with my team which doesn't negate the fact that i'm a leader it just shows that i'm human and the way that i explain that is it's kind of you know how do we shift into this new sense of leadership for humanity and so there's a much more human connection aspect coming into leadership and therefore coaches being able to guide and support and challenge leaders to, you know, to be, get comfortable in, in, in that space, which hasn't necessarily been, been valued or rewarded or acknowledged up to this point in time. One final question for you then. What one piece of advice would you give to someone who is looking to set up or refine an internal coaching program? Mm, I was thinking about this. So I'm going to, and I think I've referred to this, um, Paul, it's around you know, what's the main purpose of it? Because one of the things that I found, and this certainly happened to me at the beginning, was I was so enthusiastic. I was like a, something, you know, this evangelical person, you know, culture was the answer to everything, you know. And I've since found that I need to dial it down a bit um, while still maintaining the passion and the focus. So I think it's, you know, what's the main purpose of it? What is it there to do? So it's not coaching for coaching, say. What's the individual or the organization going to to get out of it and be very clear around that and most of all pay a huge amount of attention to the, the the building blocks of trust and the building blocks of relationships because that's whether it's at the very top of an organization whether it's from a HR perspective dealing with within HR coach to coach or coach to HR professional or you know external into an organization that sense of collaboration and co-creation and trust 
is super, super important and you can't pay enough attention to it. That would be my main piece of advice and learning um, over the years. Thanks. Orla Scott, thanks a million for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to be a guest, have any comments or are curious about any topics in particular, get in touch with us on podcast at possible.ie. Thank you.